good afternoon and welcome to the Bold Maps on 3CR 855 AM on Wednesday the 29th of March. The boldness is about standing up for your human rights instead of waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. My name is Raphael, the virologist, Caleb, host of the boldness. Now, as we all know, in Australia, there is a housing crisis. There are problems with rental. How does this affect people with a disability? The boldness is talking to a well-known disability activist and advocate with an established arts practice. Welcome to the boldness, Jenny Hickenbottom. How are you today, Jenny? Hi, Ralph. Pretty good. I'm living in a respite accommodation in, uh, in Fremantle in Western Australia at the moment. I find myself a little bit compromised on my capacity to done. Excuse me, because it's very hard to focus on particularly things I love to do, like my PhD studies and writing articles and things. It's just hard to focus when you're not in your routine home with your routine activities and your routines, you know, your your supports around you that, you know, are very familiar to us. I'm struggling a little bit. I've actually started on antidepressants about a week ago. I'm finding that helpful, actually. I just don't feel it emotional rock bottom all the time. Well, but Jenny, we're going to be talking about affordability, renting, homelessness, and it sounds like a very, very, very challenging situation. Let's go back steps in time. Now, Jenny, you were based in Melbourne. You've now gone to Western Australia to study, to continue with a PhD, which is a very, very big qualification. It's very, very impressive. When you move to Western Australia, is it hard to find places to rent? Oh, look, I, I would have, since I arrived, um, I, I crossed the border on the 1st of January, and I arrived in Fremantle on the 15th. I was actually commissioned to, to come here and put on an exhibition at the Dada Gallery, which is a gallery that focuses on supporting people with disabilities. What I put up there were um, eight songs that I wrote as I came across from Victoria. So the song of the Malabar and the song of Dust and, you know, um, the song of Albany, different songs, eight songs, and I've made videos to go with them. So that was fantastic. And, and from the day I arrived here, the 15th, I started applying for rent homes. And honestly, Raph, I would have put on probably 50 applications, considering the fact that once you fill out the um, form with uh, someone like Apply To, or there's others that, or even realestate.com have a form. Some real estate agents use these particular forms and just get, once you've filled it out, you... Then you, when you apply for the second home, you just tick the all the boxes are ticked because you've completed that those those forms. You just go submit. Raph, there were a hundred applicants 
hundred people viewing apartments in, uh, around three. My limit is three hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars. I really can't. You know, three twenty really is what I can go to. A hundred applicants looking at houses around this central central part of Perth and Fremantle. And so I decided to go out further down to Mandurah, which is an hour's drive south. Rockingham down that way. Fewer people um, viewing viewing open open happens is everyone puts in their application. The real estate agent sends every applicant application to the to the home home owner. The home owner decides who will get the property. And um, unfortunately, I'm not unfortunately, but I have three little dogs. And in Victoria, there's a law that you cannot you cannot reject a rental application based on pets. But that law doesn't exist here. I just think there's so many applicants that why would they take someone that's got three dogs, you know? I'm, I'm assuming that's what's going against me. All my referrals are good. The other thing that's going against me is that, that when I rented in Gisborne in Victoria, I rented from the home owner directly, not through a real estate agent. And they don't, when you're reapplying, they don't like that because, you know, that might just be your mother or your brother or, you know, they, they don't know who that is. So that works against me as well. It has been really difficult and, like, I get a bit obsessive. Like, all I did over that time was work on the exhibition and apply for housing. And then once the exhibition was launched on the 10th of February, all I did was look for housing. Like, I just been really obsessed. And like nothing happened, it just didn't happen. So now I've got to buy a caravan and live in that. But yeah, I've given up essentially. So what it actually sounds like, Jenny, that it is extremely difficult to find housing in Fremantle. There's around a hundred applications per property, and so you had to move further out from your preferred location. Things very, very difficult. So with your exhibition, which we will talk about a little bit later on, what have you done for housing or accommodation in the meantime? After the exhibition, I had the gallery actually supported me to live in an Airbnb for five weeks. So that was amazing. But after that, I went to caravan parks. Because obviously I came across here with my tent, and so I had my tent and my gazebo, went to caravan parks, and until one night my gazebo and my tent flew over the fence, and the dogs and I had to abandon the the tent and get in the car. After that I had an accident and ended up in hospital. (laughs) And from there I've come into this respite accommodation. Right, so that's actually a very challenge accommodation. It sounds like from having very secure accommodation in Melbourne, going across to Western Australia, where there was some accommodation for five weeks with your exhibition, then staying in caravan parks, then with the tent and the gazebo to basically keep you safe from the elements, that disappeared. And that means you're now in respite accommodation. Yes. One of the big problems that Australia is facing is the lack of affordable housing and the general lack of housing absolutely everywhere for people 
two rents yeah. in the general population, females around the age of 60 plus are the people that are most at risk at becoming homelessness. What do you see as some of the possible solutions to stop this from happening? Oh, Ralph, I'm not really sure. I saw a program on the TV about women, you know, because I'm in that bracket, I'm 65, who had just adapted to living in their cars, like, you know, various cars from sedans to, you know, more more suitable cars, I suppose. They all seem quite happy. It's not the life for me. Like, you know, I, ca- I couldn't study in that environment. And I really would like to finish my PhD. I've done the first year. We need more housing, you know. We need more community housing, don't we? We need, I'm very grateful the Labor government. Finally, we, we've swung the corner from the neoliberals and we're in, back into a, you know, an envir- a political environment which does help people or tries to more, more so than stripping them of their, of their assets to give them to the rich. How are we going to build more houses? You know, it's going to take years. And this issue, this problem of homelessness for not only older people now, Ralph, it's, it's families living in tents. Like I stayed in Margaret River, there was a, there was, in Margaret River there's a caravan site on a farm where people just are living there. That's their home, you know, which is what I'm going to do. That's gonna, that's my solution. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, Jenny, is that you're looking to buy a caravan. Even with a caravan in a caravan park, what's the availability to do with, let's say, permanent sites? Some of the sites closer to the cities, the metropolitan regions will only allow you to stay uh, seven nights. I've got into one down at Rockingham, which is an hour south of here. You can stay up to three months, but they have given me two and a half months. So I've booked my caravan in there for two and a half months. I'm hoping that's going to give me some time to settle and to find my feet again, just get on with the things that are important to me, my PhD and my art making and, you know, applying for different grants and different things that are essential for, you know, for art makers. And we need a little bit of money coming in as well as the the pension that I live in, disability pension, yeah. Now, we're going to play some community announcements and then we're going to continue talking with Jenny Hickenbotham around her arts practice, the rental crisis in Australia, homelessness and her PhD. Let's play some community announcements. Would you like to ask to play one of your songs that was at your art exhibition on the Baltus? Would you like to introduce a song? Play the song of dust because... Coming across across the Nullarbor, just, I tell you what, it was just the camping, and it was just so dusty everywhere. I went right down the Air Peninsula to Port Lincoln and right up the other side to uh, Sejuna and then across the Nullarbor. Dust, dust, dust. <laughs> I like the song of dust. So uh, we'll have a listen to that search. This summer, tune into 3CR's Disability Day broadcast, Rest is Survival. 
12 hours of programs by people with disabilities. Conversations about rest as a necessity for survival, the ways disabled people are habitually denied both rest and income, reflections on disabled rest and joy, disabled indigenous anti-capitalist futures, and much more. All the audio is available to listen back at your leisure at 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2022 or find the podcast by searching 3CR's Radical Radio on your favourite podcast app. North Preston Life Saving Club is a new creative space, gallery and studios run for and by queer artists with disability. They're currently taking applications for studios and memberships with priority given to disabled, queer and BIPOC communities. They'll be running workshops, holding community events and showcasing works by local and interstate artists. The North Preston Life Saving Club crew are seeking assistance in getting up and running and they need your help to get three-phase power to run equipment, including a kiln. To find out more and to show your support for independent creators, please visit their Facebook page, North Preston Life Saving Club. North Preston Life Saving Club is a 3CR supporter. Song of the Noah Apples. Nothing trees untrees like nothing knees unneed nothing voices unvoices nothing people unpeople nothing trees no trees mallies salt bush grasses Inhabit the Nullarbor Plain. The explorer John saw a treeless plain. His author Kingsley wrote a hideous anomaly, a blot on the face of nature, the sort of place one gets to in a bad, bad dream. E.A. Delissa named the Nullarbor in 1865. The First Nations people called it Undiri, meaning the waterless. It's one thousand one hundred kilometers from east to west contains three hundred and ninety species of plants, diverse habitats for rare animals and birds. Few people drive the Nullarbor. Most people believe the midst of a vast, dry. Endless treeless plains. I saw varied habitats across the ecosystem, reflecting the depth of soil over the ancient limestone cows. Vast open grassy plains, chopped up blackened turned soils. Blue bush shrubs and swathes of stumpy mallee trees. My 
skin of dust. A quiet while camping, my shoeless feet remind me of seasonal walking nomadic indigenous tribes, cultivating, refreshing themselves in the underground limestone caves and streams. Natives were removed in the 1950s before the Maralinga test. Native people carried only essentials, took only essentials for sustenance and life. People, colonizers, unvoiced, unpeopled, unlanded. Unpeople, peoples not seen. Nala abo, no trees, untrees. Seed is suitable for the taking. Welcome back to the bold list on 3CR 855 AM. There's another thing I'd like to say about how I um rang all the services, you know, Anglicare, Salvation Army. They have a, a first port of call, which is a government line. And I rang every service over and over. And all I tell you is, you know, ring this person, ring that person, ring this number, ring that number. And and not, nothing happens, you know. The, the numbers, big, partly because there just wasn't any housing anywhere, you know. And all those numbers couldn't help you at all because there was no beds available anywhere. You know, there's all there's all this money put into paying all these people to provide you with support, but you know, it, it's just going round and round in a in an empty circle. Of that went on for oh, a month, and then I just gave up on that as well. Yeah. Now, Jenny, that was a great. Song, the song of dust that you've recorded as part of your exhibition of going over to Western Australia. What were the influences of the song of dust as you were writing the song of dust? It was very much the dust that I was living in, camping in a tent, uh, coming across from. Um, I first went to, from Gisborne to Bendigo and then from um, Bendigo to Adelaide. I stayed for a few days. Then I went to Port Pirie. And from Port Pirie down the, down the, the Air Peninsula to Port Lincoln and um, then back up the other side to Sejuna, the dust was incredible. Like, you know, it was just every campsite, there was no grass, it was just dust. And uh, right across the Nullarbor, you know, through bo- the border village and um, Cocklebitty and these little places, uh, it was all just dust. And I finally, the last day, I drove 800 kilometres so I could just get out of the bloody dust. But uh, I ended up at Salmon Gums because um, Esperance didn't have any accommodation. It was school holiday time. And Salmon Gums was just as dusty, but I had to stay there because I'd actually run out of money by then and I had to wait for a bit of a top-up. Yeah, so I was just living in the dust, day in, day out, living in it, 
But uh, typically, if I add a little bit of politics and um, to my song, and I talk a little bit about Gina Reinhardt blowing up all the dust and taking the treasures from the dust. So <laughs> a few little, a few, a few little um, po- political uh, uh, barbs in there. So uh, yeah. Do you believe that your art practice helps you connect to the community? But relationships or to help express yourself? Oh, absolutely, yeah. My um my art practice has become songwriting and singing and performing and and through performing obviously I'm connecting with community, you know, and sharing my words. And as part of the um the Dada Gallery um opening we did have a performance at Mayland Book Club here. And it was fabulous, and people came up to me afterwards. I sang with the support of um, a musician, Annika Moses, and she played some synthesized music. And, and I got really amazing comments like, you know, people love my words and people love my voice. And, you know, which um, as a 65-year-old singing to these younger people, you know, I was one of the old, you know, there's not a lot of older people in the audience. Now, it's lovely that, that younger people are generous with their comments like that, you know, and, and do come up and say things like that. So that's my connection, my community, and, um, and of course, being in the gallery is also another form of connection with the community, having that um, presence in the gallery. And, yeah, I, I love music making. You know, it helps me so much to feel grounded and to feel um, happy and joyful um, yeah, it helps me. It helps me a lot, and I love writing. I love being quirky and using. How does that make you feel as a person when people hear what you're performing and they give you feedback? Uh, it is amazing that to, to hear people say they, you know, you've got a good voice. I mean, I've never had any training, you know, and um, just got into singing because really, I mean, I've, I've all, if my life had been different, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe I would have done something with my voice or, I don't know, I might have been an engineer. <laughs> but um, but uh, I love singing and I do remember when I was a kid, I used to remember all the lyrics to all the songs. But, um, yeah, look, it makes me feel a bit bit um, unreal, I must, I must admit, that people say these compliments to me and I go, oh, well, thank you very much. It's really kind of you to say that. And then I go, then I think to myself, I wonder if that's true, <laughs> you know, but, um, but uh, and I don't think too much about it, you know, I just try and take it on board and not get negative, you know, not let the negatives um, um, take over. I try and go, yep, you know, that's who I am. So, but yeah, it is, a, it is not easy you know, for me anyway, you know. Jenny, let's finish this. We've the very, very fast running out of time. Yeah. Is there ways that people could you assist you if they were unable to? Yeah, I launched a crowdfunding campaign through Trust. Aim of my um, campaign is help 
help fund a safe home for Jenny Hickenbottom. Um, and that would be amazing. I would be so grateful because that's good. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Jenny. And the name of the campaign is Fund a Home for Jenny Hickenbottom. And it's a very sad state of affairs where people are pleading with the Australian community to help people actually have accommodation, especially as people age. Thank you very much for your time, Jenny. We're going to play another one of your songs. Uh, to play the guitar. Um, and uh, yeah, let's play the song of the Malabars because Malabar uh, was discovered by John Eyre, and but it was uh, named by someone else. Um, it's, and the name is in the, in my song. I just can't remember it now. And Malabar means no trees, but incredibly, the Malabar has something like 360 species of vegetation providing homes to various uh, little animals and birds and, um, you know, creatures that um, um, live in those, envir- those you know, harsh environments. But the, the Nullarbor is absolutely beautiful. Don't let people talk you out of travelling across the Nullarbor. It's an amazing experience and it's really worthwhile. And, and the, the, the vegetation varies depending on how deep the soil is over the limestone um, cast, it's called KAST, where all underneath, it's all limestone and caves and water, waterways and streams. It's amazing. And uh, my song is a little bit about uh, those facts and figure, those facts and different things, and also a little bit of my interpretation of how the First Nations people might have lived in that, in that place. So, yeah. Thanks you very much again for your time, Jenny, for talking around the rental crisis in Australia, your songs, your music, your PhD. Let's say goodbye. Thank you very much with this. an outro song, The Song of Another Ball by Jenny Hickenbotham. Thank you very much. Keep listening to 3CR 855A. And this is the song of the Nullarbor. It's the era Peninsula. It's a busy place growing wheat, wool, lamb and fish. It's a busy place, windy and dusty, mostly coastline in the sun. It's a busy place, why arrow and iron triangle prong with portillery. And Port Augusta. Industry fetishes for mining, engineering, and steel manufacture. Down the windy coast of Bitport Lincoln. Exports wheat and grows aquaculture. They're even growing seahorse and finding lobster. The fish, they're plump and sweet. Local nanny guy, absolutely the best. My dog devoured it. 
There's more millionaires in Port Lincoln than any other Aussie place. The biggest commercial fishing industry anywhere in Australia. Driving up the west coast, beware the ships, the ships drop, the blue, blue Aussie bike below. Thank you. 